Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, senior reporter at Hort Week, and this week I'm joined by garden designer Peter Donegan. Now, Peter is no stranger to our podcast. He was on last year chatting to our editor, Matt, but we have got a lot more to catch up on since that episode. Peter, how are you? I'm absolutely superb. Thanks for having me back on, uh, Rachel. And before before we start, just for your listeners tuned into this, I'd mentioned to you off air, but the interview you did with Kate Sheldon, um, I think she's with Trees for Cities. And I yes, just yeah. I just thought it was absolutely superb. She spoke from the heart and I know I should I should only be talking about me, but that one just deserves <laughs> a huge round of applause. Well done to both of you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Peter. I'm sure Kate will appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting one. I'm sure this will be just as good. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so I thought we could start with some of your most recent kind of projects, outings. And you were just at the Royal Windsor Flower Show. Yeah. That was on the 10th of June. And was it the 116th show? The 116th year headed by Alex Denman, who needs no introduction, former shows manager for RHS Chelsea. Philip Carter is the head of judging. Alan Titchmarsh was judging next to me. Uh, let me see who else. Rob Hardy, Harkness Roses. It is literally a who's who. Star-studded. It's absolutely jam-packed. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head. My apologies. But the guy who ju- who made Princess Diana's wedding dress was one of the judges there as well. And I, I, ki- oh, interesting. I kid you not, what a beautiful day. But uh, like uh, myself and Philip were, were chatting about it. And I was saying to him, you know, it's just funny. I was a guy who grew plants under my bed when I was six years of age, knew what phototropism was by the time, by definition, by the time I was seven. So a little bit geeky, but I was the kid who put those plants into awards in the, the old school horticultural shows. 
and you take a yeah. you take a show like this on a beautiful day in in Windsor Great Park, and it is just absolutely everything that is a, a daydream for this now tall person masquerading <laughs> as as somebody who is entirely responsible and and what a humble and privilege to be one tiny part of something so magical. Yeah. Did your parents know about those plants? That's the key question. They did, actually. And, and mom was five foot one. And I figured that out very quickly. So I put them on top of the wardrobe where she couldn't reach. <laughs> um, but the water started to drip down on top of my brother's clothes. So <laughs> yeah. I, I put them into the garage and hence the leaning towards the light. And that answer of, you know, without definition, just wasn't good enough for, for this kid. So um, and that's that's what has me, I guess, speaking to you now. In short, if we fast track a few years later. Yeah, just a few years. And um, going back to that Royal Windsor Flower Show, how many of those have you been to? I'm, I'm assuming it's not all 116, but you could surprise me, Peter. Are you a vampire? I am. No, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm still young enough, Rachel, but thanks for the compliment. No, it's year, it's year two. And it was, a, it was funnily enough, it was a conversation with Catherine MacDonald and I was talking mm. to her about things that had evaded me in, I, I guess, my career or in my life. And it, 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 apologies for burning up airtime, but myself and Andrew Fisher Tomlin got talking about this and he was saying, um, he judged a pee competition and I said, you know, joking, but serious, did you get a steel badge or <laughs> and cake? And he went, I got both of them. And I said, what did you have to do? And he said, I just had to say which one was the longest. And I was in awe that you, let's be serious about it, that you, first of all, are accomplished enough um, in your career, number one, irrespective of what you're judging and where. Mm. And and number two, that you get invited to be a, a judge and it's not for monetary gain, but yeah. what a lovely compliment. And I said this to Catherine and she, unknowns to me, uh, emailed Alex and, and Alex came back and said, we'd love it if you could come on. And that was last year. I think Alex has only taken over the show or the reins of heading the show of recent and what a magnificent job she's she's done. And every single person sings her praises from the the food stalls all the way up to the guys who are selling furniture there and it, i i kid you not it's it's a just a beautiful day i can't recommend it highly enough lovely and for anybody who isn't sure what exactly were you judging oh i was judging the same as everybody else which is the um the the sort of uh, uh, grow a pot or a plant or grow five vegetables on a plate it certainly isn't chelsea flower show million pound gardens it's far from that but I'll, I'll go back and say the, the humbling compliment number one uh, you know titchmarsh is judging the same things that i'm judging and uh, it, it it doesn't matter who you are you've been asked it's alex you just say yes yeah and and to be honest with you if she asked me to sweep up after i would have done that as well <laughs> you know and and so would alan and so would rob and so would everybody else but yeah you know amazing and were there any standouts for you um, I, I think I'm always, and I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you, Rachel, you know, and again, I'll say the humbling compliment and, and the irrespective of judging category. I was that kid who put those things in for award, you know, again, some years ago. And you've got the next generation coming through. And there's a lot of conversations happening about, you know, inverted commas, young people in horticulture and YPHA, who, again, have been on your show. 
and, and yeah, you, they're fantastic. They really are, and and the enthusiasm in there, and you see what's happening in this in certain categories, and you're scratching your head, and you're saying like these are up to seventeen, sorry, up to fifteen years of age before you then go into adult inverted commas category. And the level of detail that they put into it, and a, a lot of them are as good as any sort of floral displays you would see at a, again, more mature level, if I might refer to it as that. Uh, and, and I'm scratching my head saying, who or what is behind the scenes who's actually making this happen with a new generation? What certainly wasn't around when yeah. I was growing up, Rachel. And now you see it and it's at a show and it's gone for display. And the disappointment of not winning award, of not getting a highly commended, of not getting a third, second or, or, or first place or a rosette is, is it's it's a knock on effect that, that I guess changed my career. And that competitiveness in me, even at that age, was something that I still haven't lost to this day. But equally as I noted to some of the other judges, John Anderson was there and we were chatting about it. And I said, you know, sometimes it just makes you turn around and say, I never want to go back to it again. So it's yeah. fascinating to see it. And again, I'll say it at a 116th Royal Windsor Flower Show in such a beautiful location with a star studded, uh, jam packed um, uh, portfolio of people. And, and again, I'm just I was but one tiny part of it and, and so proud to be to be that. Oh, how lovely. And yeah, I think you're right in that we, we are seeing, a, there's so many passionate young people that we do see coming into this industry and making a mark. But then on the flip side, you know, we do have that sh that skill shortage and the lack of people coming into the industry. Are, are we seeing a change in the tide? Do you think that it's just that there's not enough of those you know, passionate young people. What, what do you think? Where are we at with that that situation? I, I'm unsure on that one, Rachel, and mm. I, and I hear it come up a lot. And and like in in my head, you know, don't get me wrong. I know I design gardens of a standard, and and I may sound mildly egotistical now, but because of that ability to take a, a daydream turn it in, into an equation and make it only ever appear like a daydream, as I would word it. I think, to be honest with you, we would say it in in any language, in poetry in particular, in music writing. If you're teaching piano, if you're teaching horticulture, if you're teaching something that requires emotion and daydream, but also equations, sometimes the person at the top of the page, albeit they might be in a position of authority, sometimes they're not the right person to have at the top of the, 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 the page. And, and mm. I, I don't mean that disrespectfully in any way, but when when you take the YPHA of recent speaking at the, the House of Lords, they're the right people. But but that's the first time in my career that I've seen inverted commas, he says, the young people speaking to the elders, if I may, about how change should come about. That has never happened before. And I just find that mildly ridiculous, but also fascinating and deserve it of of huge applause on on the other hand and I, I think there's a part in the middle where again when you go to any school or any college and you stand at the top of the page and some of the gardens we have done um, they're, they're almost like an Andy Kaufman people may giggle at the start and then it wins award mm. or 
or you maybe do something more serious and then it's maybe appreciated a little bit better, he says, by his peers. So I, I don't have all of the, the answers, but I think all of my life, the joke has always been that um, uh, when, when I went out on my own at 24, going 25, one woman said to me, uh, you know, you don't have a beard and you don't have a woolly jumper. How can you have a, a gardening business? Really? And, and, and that's not entirely changed. The joke when I was 10 years in business was that I looked like I was something out of a bad, uh, a bad boy band, he says, <laughs> but a boy band nonetheless. But I still didn't have that beard and that woolly jumper. And I'm delighted to say that that's now changing. But in the year 2023, for it not to be perceived as an industry where you have an old man, inverted commas, um, in a potting shed, uh, which became a Harry Enfield sketch mm. at one point in time, it's now changing and very much for the better. And it doesn't have to be a a nice nestled garden. It can be something that is a little bit more artistic or a little bit more of flair. And, and I refer in that to um, a garden we designed for a school. It's our first ever school's garden. Yeah. And in that one, it's it's telling because the um the brief that we got was an area for young people to feel like they could speak to each other designed for young people number one something that was of daydream and a outdoor school teaching area that didn't feel like a classroom and in the middle of this we take this three and a half meter tall um four-legged joint squid I, that's okay. all I can describe it as. It's <laughs> painted. It's painted burnt orange, but it's loosely based upon uh, what is a juicy salif, an orange squeezer, ultimately designed by a guy called Philippe Stark. And okay. I, I remember drawing this thing up and, and saying the adults won't let this across the line. And so we gave it a lobotomy and put an anemometer, a, a thing for measuring wind, mm. connected it into their science room and renamed it as a weather station. And we were giggling again as grown-ups, as designers who get paid to do this. Yeah. But ultimately what you have is a daydream of a garden that doesn't feel like a school's garden. Yeah. And when I presented this to another school teacher, they said to me, where are the raised vegetable beds? Oh. And I'm, I'm scratching my head. I refer this back to the original teacher and she said, but Peter, this is an all girls school. 50% of them, and this is, these are not my words, but 50% have manicures and pedicures and fake tan and aren't farmers, inverted commas, mm. and drink mochaccinos and cappuccinos and, and like dressing up and like being, and if we have raised vegetable beds or spaces for farming, they'll be somewhere else, not here. This is a garden of daydreams and for inspiration. And maybe there's something in that, Rachel, where how the adults see things and what the younger minds actually want. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. That's very interesting. Well, taking it back a little bit and um, kind of putting the judging shoe on the other foot, you were recently judged yourself at Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. And congratulations are in order because it went very well. It it went... Um, 
it went yeah it went extremely well i'm i'm irish obviously by by dna and uh one of eight children and was never allowed to to take compliments or or get above my <laughs> station rachel um and dad would have frowned at me uh getting big-headed and saying that the <laughs> the largest show garden at melbourne international flower and garden show uh, and the top three flower shows in the world and um, first time ever in Australia, away for St. Patrick's Day and strolled. I say strolled in. That was the appearance that I gave, um, but won gold <laughs> medal and and a 200 square meter Irish love story as Channel 7 News in, in oh, Australia lovely. described it. So, yeah, yeah. And the ultimate, I'll, I'll be honest with you in saying it's. It was very much daydream to equation and only ever appeared like a daydream. Yeah, yeah, and it is beautiful. If if anybody listening hasn't seen it, you must go look up some pictures. But t- talk us through the kind of process of building it. What were some of the biggest challenges you kind of had to overcome? Well, M- Melbourne International Flower Show takes place at a, a World UNESCO heritage site in uh, the beautiful setting of uh, Carlton Gardens. And so there's no digging down allowed. Okay. So it, it, it was really odd because we had designed this garden that was of the appearance that you could walk on water. And in a nutshell, you've got 45,000 litres of water contained within a temporary timber frame because it obviously only lasts for five days. The complete garden weighed 75 tonne. And when you're supporting a tree that goes eight metres tall in the air, the difficulties really start to come in. And, and I think when you've got a contractor by your side, like Martin Semkin uh, and Dean Cartwright was the, the foreman on the job, a beautiful team of, of Werner's Nurseries, Bamstone, etc. Um, and uh, Marcus Gale and, and his team at IMG, you know, at, at no point in time did anybody ever say no to me. I told them it would be a beautiful daydream. Uh, we we shook hands, we stood side by side, we created a, a, a team that was ultimately a, a, a symphony alongside um, the, the Semkin family as as I know them mm. now. And, um, and I think when you've got that bit where the designer uh, creates a series of equations and the contractor takes those series of equations and makes them happen, and when changes need to come about, which they do sometimes live on the fly, mm. uh, as as a standard with any show garden, how you come out of them requires a hell of a lot of preparation. But we arrived in when, when it was dark, uh, five, half five in the morning, and we're leaving when it was dark. And so I did get to see a bit of Melbourne, but I think the appearance I'm told that I gave was that I strolled in like one of the Bee Gees <laughs> and back out the door with a gold medal and my chest sticking out. And I can tell you, um, I can tell you now, Rachel, I went home and I, I slept for about three, four days. <laughs> like that, like um, that. Absolutely solid. And in between there, I think I did uh, a couple of guest lectures, one at, at the Royal Botanic Gardens in, in Victoria. What an absolute stunning setting. Mm. Um, and thanks to Tim and Twistle for setting that one up. And also at, um, uh, at Melbourne University, uh, which is unknowns to me, random fact, the longest continuous horticultural education institution in the, in the world. Oh, wow. 
yeah a so time. a lovely a lovely privilege really nice and i have to say i i if anybody ever gets the chance head to melbourne it's it's a dedicated horticultural show from the student elementary um, um affordable gardens my apologies as they call them uh, all the way up to what is um, show gardens charlie albone was one side of me and then on the other side a, a gentleman by the name of jason hodges and um and and again yeah what a, it's it's a bit like royal windsor what a what a humble and privilege to be allowed to be a part of something so special yeah amazing and were you lecturing them about the kind of build process and design process in melbourne, in melbourne uni yeah, yeah. I, in Mel- melbourne was really odd and and i'll i'll cut to the second one if i may rachel yeah. the, the the lecture in uh, the royal botanic gardens what they were intrigued there and they chose the subject was the gardens that i had designed at uh, chateau de peron uh, oh, yeah. better known as historial de la grande guerre the europe's largest war museum and the the two gardens I, I I designed there, so that was one. Um, but they tell me they don't have any or many castles in in Australia, so I I appreciate the intrigue and and obviously you know Australia would have had a huge influence in what happened in in those two wars, and there's an Australian flag flies over the castle as well, so it, it was emotional always or is emotional always my apologies when i when i dwell on those and the amount of time i spent in what i at one point in time described as my second home yeah um to the other side of it in in melbourne university it was a little bit explaining the the thinking behind the equations if i may because when you see the the, the garden in Melbourne, the, the Bamstone Garden, as it became known because of Bamstone, the company's generosity in saying whatever he wants, give it to him, <laughs> um, and rightly so. But when you get into that, it genuinely does appear like you can walk on water. But the the story behind that garden was of a of a grown Irish man who ultimately cannot say. Um, to in this case the woman of his dreams that he loves her and because of that inability to say those three magic words she never arrives but there's a a hope and a a, and a will and a want and so he's sort of separated in his head forever and ever after uh, on this sort of island away from her in the hope that she will um she will she will one day come and to to explain that to them and then we obviously delved into the um i don't want to ruin your interview here my apologies no, no. rachel but we we then we then delve into uh obviously the television show and the garden side designed for for two series there and when you get into them you're talking about really tough hard cases cases that emotionally I certainly am uh, built for design and realization of gardens uh, are a stroll in the park at all times. But at the same token, it's the emotional part that sometimes is the the challenge for me. And I think to make a garden for somebody who needs a ray of light, Mm. it certainly isn't a park bench that you might see next to a bus stop or something that is very practical and easy to maintain. Mm. It's something that has to hide all of the 900 millimeter regulation things that are required and give you a beautiful garden irrespective of whether you have 
something that is, may I word it this way, not entirely correct in life. And so you have a, a escapism and it's only when, again, you stand in the middle of a uh, garden in Melbourne, even though it's only temporary, and people start to come to tears, which is wow. quite a compliment, but something that... I don't think too many people really get to say, but that's maybe the coming from a guy who spent most of his time looking out the window in school, <laughs> but was intelligent enough to teach himself how to speed read so he could spend more time looking out the window. Nice. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, hearing you speak about Melbourne Garden, obviously, and I've spoken to you in the past about that that garden you did at Europe's largest war museum. I'm not going to try and butcher the, the names there. Um, and, yeah, you are very emotional and about these gardens and and they're very emotive and do you it sounds like you might also take those to those private clients as well then i, I think when it's re- required um rachel and, and i'll be brutally honest in saying like I'm, I'm not very good at speaking about how i feel uh some of of uh melbourne london college of garden designs students that's the sister college to to andrew fisher tomlin's um gig yeah. i should add um, but some of them asked a the question of whether the garden was based loosely on myself. Um, uh, but but ultimately, I think sometimes the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that you, you don't want to think about the thing. And sometimes you want other people to see maybe what's in your heart. And I think there's a place for all. So in, in the, the castle itself... The, for your listeners who aren't aware, briefly, the, 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 the first garden was designed in the dried up moat of the 13th century castle, 30 foot below street level. It had fallen in the Franco-Prussian War, again in the First World War, and again in the Second World War. And I remember the head of PR saying to me that this had happened and... He said his father was enlisted into the war. Sorry, he was born before the First World War, brought away, came back, the town was flattened, got enlisted into the war, became a prisoner of war, came back and the town was flattened. And the brief that I got was to, if I may use the word incorrectly, but to woo people into a space where between me and you and your listeners, only bad things had ever happened. And in there, then for them to smile. And that's quite a tough brief when you take it at that. And and we managed to to somehow or another do it. In the middle courtyard, what you have is a, a space where you're trying to attract a newer, if I may, generation of visitors to the to the castle. And so you've got this juxtaposition between this Henry Siriani um, uh, mass concrete back walls, which is the joint between the, um, the, the, the place where you would go and look at this horrific war, do I call it museum, memorabilia, uh, tour place. Mm. And... For the younger generation of, say, I mean, seven, eight, four, three, nine, thirteen years of age, you don't want to see all of it. Yeah. And this becomes a, 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 a friendlier way of spending time, but gaining that education, but maybe not in the way of which he says the inverted commas, the grown ups are the stronger of mind might might wish to do so. And so the, the story through sense and through herbs and through culinary and what would have been available at the time 
became a huge part of what we did in the courtyard, albeit we used a lot of steel and a lot of metatrichoia, mm -hmm. so newer products. But I think the challenge in the build is that it's a defence castle. And in the design, that means ultimately you've got a 2.2-metre uh, Gothic archway that runs about 16 metres long, and you were never meant to get into the internal courtyard. So we designed it like sections of Lego, but made it never appear that way when it was rebuilt. Amazing, amazing. We've spoken of, I think we probably spoke when it was still in the build process maybe, or maybe you were just working on that second garden. So if anybody wants to kind of delve a bit deeper into that project, I'm sure there's something up on Hort Week um, that we can direct you to. So, Going back to your lectures, obviously you're no stranger to, to giving those. And I know coming up, you're giving a lecture to how many landscape de design professionals was it? There's 1,600 in total. Wow. Um, and there's from the a, Ukraine? From the Ukraine. So uh, they, they sent me a link um, of Adam Frost giving uh, the same lecture. I think it was about a year or so ago, maybe two um, and the list that they have, it, it sort of goes back to, again, Royal Windsor, Melbourne and even the TV stuff. I think there's a part in it, Rachel, where, you know, I might think that I'm good, but to be asked and invited probably is the, the bit of, is glorification the right word? Or pat on the back, maybe, is the word I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think they they got in touch with me and just said, look, we're we're ultimately trying to keep this group of landscape architects and uh, designers together, uh, things are obviously a little bit of a challenge. And when I, I queried uh, lightly how much of a challenge, she said, well, the guy who looks after the website and the so social media is not able to do so at this moment in time. And, and we leave that to one side for now. Um, uh, but, but yeah, 1,600 um uh, design professionals and and again what a what a humbling um privilege to be asked to do so alongside a list of certainly who's who garden designers from from the big island as i call it predominantly and um and yeah so i think that's i think that's in a, in a couple of days time amazing and whereabouts are you giving that lecture It'll be logically done um, on online. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. In, the, in this case, it'll logically be done online. We've done a few of them. It's funny what, what again, I don't really want to get into the, the last two years, the BCs, as I call them. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it's sort of brought everybody into the 21st century technology-wise. Yeah. And I think it's made things a little bit easier and... I think at the back of it all, I'm, I'm probably glad of that because I think there's a point in in any place, in anybody's heart, Rachel, where sometimes you, you're not pretending that it's not there. Mm. Uh, and I'll quote, I'll quote what the French um, team said to me in, in 2018, the, the garden, the first garden that we did there was um, to be respectful of the past and to, be, and to remember the past, but it's also an eye to the future. Mm. And I think probably in this case, there's a little bit of distraction from maybe what's going on around you, even if but for a moment and, and hopefully things solve themselves faster sooner rather than later there. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So what will you be speaking to them about predominantly? Um, I think obviously the, the and again, I'll say it, it's it's beautiful distractions, Rachel, is probably if if I'm speaking about a school garden, um, if I'm speaking about Melbourne, if I'm speaking about the, the gardens in France or, or any of the ones we've done for, for TV, um, it, it's funny, actually, we were going, I'm distracting myself, Rachel, I have a tendency to go off on a mild tangent, <laughs> but I was, I was going for um, the SGD membership, which, which we now have, I'm delighted to say, um, after a lot of hard work. But uh, I think the, the team, the adjudication team is the correct word, were asking me, um, do you not have any normal gardens? And it transpires for about four years solid. All I had done was TV gardens, French castles, and show gardens, which sounds very grand. We'd very. obviously done the, we'd, I, I, and I apologise for that and getting above my station again. <laughs> um, but I, I think in all of those that people tend to see uh, or have seen publicly um, over the last four years, I think they've probably caught people's imaginations a little bit more so because the cases in, in, in all, albeit entirely different and completely different, you start to realise everybody has their thing that isn't always entirely correct. Mm. And sometimes it's a place to, to deal with that and sometimes it's a place where it's distraction from that. And the point I, 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 I think I've made strongly in, in speaking with the, the um, students at, at Melbourne Uni was that, you know, whether it's a, it's a garden for growing of vegetables and fruit, there is a, a way of doing it, which is, if I may, for my granddad or my dad, and there's a way of doing it for somebody who is a little bit, inverted commas, younger of mind. And I think the class example in that was we designed a, a coffee shop, obviously based on the Frappuccino conversation we had previously. Um, <laughs> nice. But the, out, the outside of any coffee shop standard, albeit it might be plastic plants, is a sort of a raised area that separates the outdoor dining from what is publicly accessible. And so in those plants there, we took the square meterage of the raised beds and we changed all of those plants to what would be culinary or of herbs so they can use them in the, the home economics or in their cooking classes. Nice. I'll yeah. bite it gives the guys of a garden that, a, a inverted commas, he says again, the younger mind would appreciate. So, But I, th I think the gardens that we've done have just literally done that, but consistently rammed into four years of my career. There's, there's points when I go back, Rachel, when we did the 17th century and 18th century gardens and they were 55 acres and 27 acres. But, you know, uh, as I said before, they, they sound great. But 18th century or 17th century has 100 years less of plant knowledge required. So we did the yeah. 18th century first and the research was, if I may, already done. But they're formulaic gardens that always look beautiful. I look like a genius, but <laughs> I don't. you don't entirely get to, um, to, to daydream, if I may. And so, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's probably an element of that, and I think in my head when we try and when I try and tailor a, a lecture or a talk to a specific group, it is literally just that we appro I approach it in the same way I would do gardens. In which case, it's not the Peter Donegan Memorial Garden. You don't always need to daydream. Sometimes it can be just be utterly sexy and wonderful and magical <laughs> and beautiful. You say like myself, but at the same token. 
I'm now we're both laughing. Um, but but I think in this case, uh, and I hope you'll agree with me. I think distraction and giggling and yeah. uh, and tears sometimes, but tears whilst giggling are required. And if you can yeah. translate that into garden design with equations and then show the daydream post that, then I think you've got something that makes you do panto crowd noises and becomes quite endearing and beautiful and fingers crossed it's received that way. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely some relief for them. Yeah. very excited to see what uh, the future holds for projects uh, for you Peter and with that we've come to the last question which is of course as you'll remember uh, what plant would you take to a desert island any ideas uh, I, I have a regular Barney with Matt when I meet him usually <laughs> at a perennial gig and uh, um, the, the most magnificent charity I have to say still to they this really day are. they are beautiful um, but um, I, I was with Jim in Hilliers uh, of recent. And you should know this, Rachel. I actually said to him, we used to get the Hort Week magazine when I was in college. And the first time I ever read about Hilliers, it was like reading about Highbury Stadium only in a magazine. It says he's a self-confessed Arsenal fan. And I said this to Jim and I was 17 at the time. And now I'm a little bit taller and your publication is available online. So and I'm, I'm, and I'm obviously not in college, um, but the both of us were smiling about the history of of Hillier's nurseries. And um, and he brought me out to this field and he showed me this tree, which he described as Marmite. Oh. And I, I, it's somewhere up online anyway, but it's a Quercus fellus and it was eight metres tall. And the root ball of it is, I think he said to me, about seven and a half tonne. Wow. And I could have hugged it forever. Oh. And then he told me the price and I said, <laughs> well, we might just borrow it on you, Jim, if that's OK. Yeah. So, yeah. But a Quercus fellus is the, is the tree. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Peter. It's been an absolute delight, as it always is, speaking to you. Um, so thank you for coming back on. An absolute pleasure, as always, um, Rachel, and genuinely, I, I know you know I'm a huge fan. I regularly send you notes telling <laughs> you, you so, but, but at the same token, yeah, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much to yourself and Matt for having me back on. Brilliant. Thank you, Peter. And I'll, I'll pay you later as well for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rachel Forsyth and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Horticulture Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Huge thank you again to Peter and goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.